Hey, welcome to Mondo and Friends presented by Verizon. My name is Mondo Fresco. And today I am with one of my faves. Oh, really? Really, really. <laughs> Favorite comedian, actress, author. <laughs> Angela Johnson. Angela, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so, so happy you know, to have you here on Mondo and Friends. It's been a while. Yes, very long time. Man, we, I think I, we first met when you were doing the, when I was at Power, uh -huh. we were doing those comedy shows. Yeah. It's like comedy fiesta yep. days. Mm-hmm. And, and you would shut it down every single time. Oh, thank Super you. Super sweet always. Thank you. And I was still pretty new into the stand-up game at that time, man. I remember. And I remember being so nervous at those shows. Because it was huge. It was, you yeah. know, those outdoor venues. There was thousands of people there. And I'm with all these other amazing comedians. And I was like, well, I can't be the one that bombs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, those those were some some fun times for sure. Yeah. How many years have you been doing this for now? I think 15. 15. I think 14 or 15. That's amazing. Yeah. Do let's Let's go back a little bit. Do you remember the first time that you were like, I want to be on stage and, and I want to do comedy. Yes. Um, I didn't want to be a comedian. Uh, I wanted to be an actress. And um, I, this, this kind of goes back to how I even just started, but so you can get a little backstory on when it happened. I didn't want to be a comedian. I wanted to be an actress. I was going to this church at the time that was very entertainment industry focused. And so there was a lot of, dancers, actors, producers, directors. And so every Tuesday night was like creative arts night. And they would have like dance classes, acting classes, um, production classes. I was in the acting class. We would play improv games. I was funny. And there was a woman there named Lisa Alvarado. And she came up to me and she was like, hey, I'm teaching a joke writing stand-up comedy class. Do you want to come and take my class? And I was like, I don't know. Is it free? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I guess. Like, I had no desire to be a stand-up comedian at all. And um, so I ended up taking her class. And one of the first jokes that I wrote was the nail salon bit that ended up blowing up my spot years yep. later. But I wrote that in a free joke writing class at a church. And so after the graduation of that class was we had to perform at a real comedy club. And I did really well. Had I not done well, because you hear a lot of stories about comics, like their first time on stage, they bomb. Right. And, but they wanted to do it so bad. They just keep trying, keep trying, and eventually they got good. Well, I never wanted to be a comedian. So had that been my experience, that I went on stage and I bombed, I would never do it again. Yeah. I would just be, oh, this wasn't for me. It was just a, a class that I took, and I tried it, right. not my jam. But I did really well. And so... I would go do like five minutes here, five minutes there at like, you know, this little dive bar, Buzz Cafe or whatever. Um, and I was just kind of going up for fun. It wasn't something I wanted to pursue. It was just mm. like, sure, I'll go. Yeah, I'll try. And then I would be like at the improv and somebody like, oh, you want to do my Tuesday night room at, you know, this bar? And I'd be like, okay, sure. Like, that's just kind of where I was at. And uh, people would say, oh, you're a stand-up comedian? I'd be like, no, I'm an actress. I'm just <laughs> doing this for fun. Meanwhile, ask me about my acting gigs. I don't got no acting gigs <laughs> lined up. Nothing in the works. But I'm like, oh, no, I'm an actress, actually. I'm just doing this for fun right now. And to answer your question, when it all changed, when I decided, yes, I want to be a comedian, 
Uh, this is back in the days of MySpace, okay? And uh, I got a message on MySpace that was like, hey, will you come and perform at our Christmas party? It's a Mormon Christmas party. Wow. And I was like, sure, I'm not Mormon though. And they're like, oh no, no, you don't have to be Mormon. We just need clean comedians who like don't say cuss words and like talk about sex or stuff like that. And I was like, oh, sure, yeah, I'll come perform. So I go to this Mormon Christmas party and turns out it's like a competition and they have 10 other comedians there and we all performed and I tied for first place. Wow. And first place was a cash prize. So I ended up going home with $600 that day. That was the most money I had ever made in my entire life, like in one night. Like yeah. I just, I had $600 in my hands just from doing 10 minutes of jokes. And it was in that moment that I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna be a comedian. <laughs> like $600 is all it took yeah. for me to be like, oh, maybe I should take this seriously and write some more jokes. And that's when it shifted for me. And um, cause I was broke at the time I had nothing. I was like, wait, you can make $600 doing yeah. standup. I'm going to be a comedian. And that's yeah. when it shifted. How old were you at this point? So I started, I think I was 24 when I took that class and that was in 2006. And then 2007 is when it all blew up on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so I was probably like 25. Man. Yeah. How soon after did you land Matt TV? Okay, so what happened was, is um, I'd moved to LA to be an actress and I started from the ground up as an extra. I was an extra on the show Friends. Wow. My favorite show of all time. So I first, I moved here and it was my first gig in the entertainment industry and it's still my favorite job that I've ever had was being an extra on Friends. That's amazing. I was an extra for season nine and 10. They brought me back like every week and I would come back and be on all the episodes, I'm in the coffee shop pretending to drink some coffee. Like, have you watched and like? Oh yeah. Caught your, you, you, you've seen yourself on. Oh friends. my god, many times I've had I have an actual full circle moment about that. So, my very first job starting as an extra, and just worked my way up, right? But years later, now I'm in this movie and I'm on location filming in Alabama, and I'm at the hotel in the gym and I'm on the treadmill in the gym and I'm waiting for my call time is like later in the evening. Right. And so I'm just on the treadmill and I'm watching TV on the treadmill. I'm watching friends and I see myself walk by in the background. And it was such an emotional moment for me, like watching myself, like when I first started, like just this young dreamer who is like, had no idea what her life had in store for her. And here I am on this treadmill waiting for my call time to go film a movie, like wow. with, as an actual actress, you know, like that was, a very powerful full circle moment for me. But um, so back to it's now um, 2007 and um, I was an extra. I worked my way up to a stand in and a stand in on a show is basically you stand in the place of the real actor mm -hmm. and you wear a sign that says their name. And you're there for the camera guys to get their their part right, for the lighting guys to get their part right. You know, everybody's getting all their stuff set up. And then once they're set up, then you move out of the way and the real actress comes in, right? Yep. But for me, that was exciting. That was like, I'm here on the set. Like, the cameras are on me. Like, this is me practicing. Like, they say action. I got to go find my mark, you know? I'm pretending to be her, but I'm, I'm practicing like it's for me, you know? Yeah. And... um. So I was a stand-in on a show, and then um, that show gets canceled. 
I don't have any more gigs lined up. Um, I don't have an agent at the time, so I don't have anything in in the works for me. I don't have any mm-hmm. opportunities coming my way. And I was at this place in my life where I'm on unemployment and my unemployment checks had run out. So now I have no money. I have no agent. I have no opportunities, no audition, no nothing. Um, and the only reason why I stayed in LA, because uh, everything in my life was, was saying like, hey, you tried, you gave it a good shot, but yeah my my theo is outside he came to pick you up (laughs) outside of our uh studio here we just heard he plays like cucaracha when he leaves so just prepare for that oh that's so funny i was like do i hold for sound i don't know (laughs) um so I, uh, yeah, I'm at this place in my life where everything is saying like, Hey, you tried, you gave it a good shot, but it's time to go home. You know what I mean? Like I have no money to pay my bills or anything. Like it's time to go home. It's, this wasn't for you. You tried though. And so even though I had that in my life, like everywhere I looked, it was like, sorry, I felt in my spirit, in my gut that God was like, I'm not done yet. I know it looks bad, but I'm not done yet. So I had that in my spirit. And I also had my sister who would send me money to pay my rent. She was sending me gift certificates to the grocery store so that I could get food to eat. And she was like, no, don't give up. Just stay out there. Like, not yet. Man. And so I stayed. And this is um, 2007 now. January. This brand new thing called YouTube pops off, right? And all of a sudden, this video of me doing this nail salon joke starts going viral. And I start getting messages on my MySpace page from people all over the world. Hey, when are you coming to perform in Australia? When are you coming to the Philippines? When are you coming to Ohio, Atlanta? Like fill in the blank. Thousands of messages a day. Everybody saw this video. Wow. And I had no idea what was happening because this is new. This is like, I'm one of the first people to go viral. You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know what this means. And then I started getting messages from network executives, assistants, because I didn't have an agent. Nobody knew how to get a hold of me. So I would get a message. I was like, hey, I'm the assistant to so-and-so at Fox. I'm the assistant to so-and-so at CBS, ABC, fill in the blank. All these people were like, my boss wants to meet with you, da-da-da-da-da. So I ended up getting meetings with like everybody in this town. I had to go buy a calendar. Like I didn't even have a calendar. I had nothing going on in my life. All of a sudden I have all these meetings. People want to meet with me. And so I'm going to these meetings. I end up getting an agent. Um, I end up getting a new manager. And that was January, 2007. By May, I had gotten my new agent, uh, my new manager. I had audition for Mad TV. I ended up booking Mad TV. So by the end of the year, I was on a hit television show. I was touring the country as a headlining comedian. And my life had completely changed. From January 2007, I had nothing to my name. I had no money. I was on unemployment. My unemployment checks had run out to the end of the year where I'm on this show and I'm touring the country as a comedian. My life had, has never been the same since then. It's just been a wild ride. That's that's did you ever, ever think that when you shot your first YouTube video that it would blow up or it would? No, because I didn't even know it was a YouTube video when I did it. Mm. I was just going to the Ice House in Pasadena 
and it's a comedy club. And there was a company there that was filming comedian sets. And at the time, this is flip phones. So this is before smartphones. Yeah. They were like, um, you do 10 minutes, we'll pay you 25 bucks. And then we own the footage and we're going to upload it to Verizon Wireless. And you can download a comedy clip on your phone for $1.99. Wow. So they were going to charge people $1.99. You can download a comedy clip on your flip phone. Like this was new technology. Next thing you know, YouTube pops off. And it's like, oh, who's going to pay $1.99 for a little comedy clip when you could just go on YouTube and watch everything for free? So then they took all of those clips and they put them all on YouTube. And then it blew up on YouTube after that. So I had no idea. I just went to go do a set. Wow. I thought I thought you had uploaded to no. YouTube. No. I wish. People are like, oh, my God, you're probably so rich off that video. I may not want penny off that video. That's crazy. Yeah. And obviously, you know, people till this day love love yeah. all your characters. Yeah. Um, now that, you know, fast forward to you just had, you know, you started back up with, with touring uh -huh. um, to to feel that love when you bring your characters out. Mm -hmm. What is that feeling like? You know, it's like. It's a bunch of things. It's I'm very grateful that um people love and appreciate something that I've created, that I wrote. Um, I'm very grateful that people still ride with me after all these years. Um, I've heard so many stories over the years. I mean, like I said, I've been doing this for like 14, 15 years. I've heard so many stories from people that are just like, you know, hey, every time I see that nail salon video, it reminds me of my dad because he used to watch your video when he was going through chemo. And he wow. loved it. You know, I, I don't really get along with my mom, but... We really bonded over that one joke you do, so thanks for that. And I, I get messages like that from people that are just, you know, heartfelt and very just real about how my comedy has impacted their life in a very real way. And I'm very grateful for that. And it's interesting because I went through a season where I didn't want to do the joke because I was listening to the wrong people mm. and what it was was you know you you hear things you hear you know criticism or review or whatever and i remember at the time people were saying like like other comics or whoever would be like oh she only has that one joke that's she just got that one joke that's all she does is that one joke when i know that i i am more than this one joke For like sure. People are laughing hysterically throughout my entire show. It's not like they're silent until the joke. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I know I'm more than that joke. So I went through this season where I was like, I'll show you. Watch, I'm not even going to do the joke anymore. And I'll still crush. And I remember the first time I didn't do the joke. And it was in San Francisco at Cobb's Comedy Club. And I get off stage and I felt horrible about not doing it. And I got a message from someone uh, on Facebook and she was like, hey, uh, my mom and I drove in a few hours to come and see you perform tonight. It was a really great show, but we were so disappointed that you didn't do that nail salon joke. Like that's the joke that we've been quoting for years. That's the joke that, you know, we bond about. That's the joke that we we love. And that's the reason why we came to see you. So it was so wow. disappointing that you didn't do it. And it was in that moment that I was realizing that I've been listening to the wrong people. 
I'm listening to the people who don't care about me. They don't, they don't buy tickets to my show. They don't support me. They don't, they don't want the best for me. I need to be listening to those who are actually supporting me, who are actually fans, who actually care about the work that I do, who actually are affected by the work that I do. Like those are the people that I perform for, that I give my art and my craft for. So it was right. like in that moment that I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to keep doing this joke as long as the people who are paying to come to my show, the people who are messaging me saying, thank you. I, I've been quoting this joke with my friends since high school. And every time we text each other, we say this or we say that. And it's a special moment for people. Like it's more than a joke. Right. Like it's nostalgic for people. It reminds them of their dad. It remi- you know what I mean? Like it's more than a joke at this point. So now in my shows, I kind of present it as a thank you. I present it as like, I do my whole show. We all have a great time. And in the end, I, I share with them that I'm grateful that they're still riding with me after so long. And I know this is what you guys want to hear. So here you go. Yeah. And it's like my thank you to them. And that's yeah, beautiful. that's, that's I, that joke. <laughs> I can imagine, you know, for you as as a as a comedian when you're on stage it, you're a performer at the end of the day it's like you know going to see someone at a concert mm-hmm. right and, yeah. and and singing rapping their 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 right. you know some of their biggest hits yeah it's like going to to see daddy yankee and him not doing gasolina right and you're like, are you kidding me bro <laughs> <laughs> i'd be pissed <laughs> yeah yeah no so i i think it's, it's such a, a a beautiful thing um the way that that your your fans your your followers um you know connect with you yeah. through through your comedy i also think it's a beautiful thing that you read your messages you said myspace yeah. facebook i know you read ig cuz that's where i hit yeah. you up yeah 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 <laughs> i i read as many as i can yeah. you know what i mean i'm sure there's lots that For i sure. don't get to um the ones that i don't read is youtube I don't read YouTube comments. That's I'm like that's like going on Reddit and putting your name in to see what people No, thank you. Yep. Uh I don't read YouTube comments. Um <laughs> Wait, but YouTube comments are like so horrible that so like we we get a kick out of it. Um I have these uh Travis Scott um Jordan ones and we were reading reading the comments and some dude was like uh, this dude is wearing fake Jordans. His swoosh is backwards. <laughs> it's like, bro, th- that's how the shoes are designed. Like that's, you know, these are the type of trolls that live on, on YouTube sometimes. But, um, I want to, I want to talk about like the, the plus and minuses of, of social media. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with like, obviously hecklers maybe on a show uh, while you're performing at a show? How mm-hmm. do you deal with like, bullies or people be negative on on social media so at a show luckily i rarely get hecklers um the hecklers that i get are drunk girls <laughs> you know what i mean so they're not trying to like um mess up my show they think they're helping my show by going Woo! at random moments just because they're drunk you know what I mean? They're like, what do you mean? I'm trying to show you I'm having a good time. And you're like, okay, but I'm in the middle of a setup right now. Like yeah, people yeah. need to hear that. Um, 
So I rarely get hecklers at my show, which I'm very grateful for. It's people coming out to have a good time, right. you know? Online is different. Um, everybody has an opinion online. Everybody's real bold and brave online. You know, nobody can see your face. You're not saying it to somebody's face. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are, are more bold with their comments. And I think social media is such a powerful thing. It can be good and bad. Like people feel like they have a voice. Like, yeah, but then also people feel like they have a voice. Ew, shut up. Nobody wants to hear yeah. your thoughts about every single thing. And like even this morning, somebody messaged me like, hey, how come there's no outrage about this one particular thing that recently happened? Like, how come there's no outrage from you about it? And I was like, well, because, sir, it's not my business or your business to be putting your opinion out there. Like, there's already enough outrage in the universe. Why do we need to put more? Right. Mind your business. Go have a good day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so on social media, I, I made a promise to myself that. I was going to only respond in love to people and I've kept that promise maybe 50% of the time. (laughs) There's sometimes where I just ignore. There's sometimes where I clap back like, oh, really? Okay. Um, But then there's other times where I do respond in love and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, Not my intention to make you upset, but have a good one. You know, feel free to unfollow. That's all right. I'll be okay. You know, but yeah, it's, it's a crazy world out in these social media streets. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about the, the positives of of social for you. The positives for me is seeing people, how my, my work, my life is affecting people's life in a positive way. And, um, you know, people saying, Hey, when you said this, in your Instagram stories, something as simple as that. It made me think about my own life. I've had people tell me like watching you be so loving, open and accepting. I had the courage to come out to my family. Wow. And now this person is on a path to like living a more free life because of something I said on my Instagram stories, you know? Um, So I feel like the positive things of social media is the human connection. People can feel seen sometimes. People can feel heard. Um, I think another positive thing is careers can blow up. Like um, my career blew up from YouTube, you know? There's now TikTokers who are getting millions of dollars from endorsements. Like, I think that's amazing that this little family in Texas can make some content and now have money to support their life and their family from making content. Like that's amazing. I love that. I I feel it. Yes. Put more money into the hands of the people and not just the corporations. Right. You know, like I, I started in my career filming commercials. I've done a commercial for Verizon, for Visa, for, Uh, Snickers, like I've done a bunch of commercials and that's great. But I love that now brands are like paying certain people to be like, hey, do a do a skit about our company and we'll give you money. Yes, do that. They're creative. They're funny. Pay them for their their work, pay them for their their ideas and their thoughts so they don't have to go to university to study you know, branding, whatever, and then eventually get a job at a branding company and eventually pitch an idea that will hopefully land 
at Snickers and then their idea will make a commercial. Like, yeah. no, they'll make their own commercial in their living room. Yep. It's going to take them 15 minutes and they're going to get lots of money and then they're going to pay their bills and they're going to provide for their family. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. What's happening right now. By the way, um, we've, we've mentioned Verizon a few times. I think we have to... Can we get Angela sponsored? <laughs> Can like, we? Listen. <laughs> check this out. So you've you've done a a commercial uh -huh. for Verizon, right? Early twenties, early. Um, like, look for it and send it to me, Verizon, if you have it, please. <laughs> I would like to see it. You you performed when we were doing the comedy fiesta. That was the Verizon Wireless Amphitheater. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, there was something else where you mentioned Verizon. Um, what was it? Oh, you the flip phones. The flip phone? Yeah, it was going to be. The clips were supposed to be uploaded to Verizon Wireless your, users. Yeah, be, Yeah. so your Verizon was recording you, and now you're on a podcast presented by Verizon. Come on. Verizon, can we, like, make it happen? At least, like, let's send her a free What Do you have, a, do you have the, like, the latest phone? I mean, I have an iPhone 13. Oh, you're good then. Who am I? No, we, we don't, I don't need a sponsor. I don't even know who my... <laughs> You're good. <laughs> we gotta make it. We make. We gotta make it happen. We gotta make it happen. Let's do it. Let's do I'm, down, I'm here. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> How can you say no to that face? You know. Um, no, Angela. I'm. I'm. I'm so happy. Uh, you know everything that has been going on. I know. You know we. We were talking for a while to to have you on on the show. Um, you've been busy. Yeah. A lot of things popping off for you. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about your book. Who do I think I am? Stories of Chola wishes and caviar dreams. Yes. Please break that down for us. So one, the fact that I even have a book is what? You know what I mean? Like just incredible. So incredible. Who do I think I am is layered. It's stories of self-identity growing up Mexican and American, but not speaking Spanish with a last name Johnson. I always wanted to be more Mexican than I felt like I actually was because I didn't speak Spanish, because I had the last name Johnson. Like, I wanted to be a chola real bad, yeah. you know? <laughs> but nobody was scared of Little Payasa Johnson. So. <laughs> Little Payasita. Nah, like, no, they're all, who are nah. you? You know? Um, so it's stories of self-identity, um, even, like, in my faith growing up, Christian and then evolving as a woman and deciding like I subscribe to this, but I unsubscribe to this. I subscribe to this, but you know, I unsubscribe to this and evolving. And like, who do I think I am in my faith? Even stories of self-identity, like very layered, but it's also being this Mexican American girl from San Jose, California, who wanted to be an actress, but I would never say it out loud because I was embarrassed Yeah. because where do you be an actress in San Jose? You don't. Like, that was so far-fetched to say I want to be an actress. Like, I might as well say I want to be a princess. You know? Like, that's what it felt like. Because it wasn't even, like, an actual attainable dream. It was just, like, a fantasy. Yeah. I'm not going to say that out loud. That's embarrassing. So I just tuck it away in my heart. And then I had a friend who moved to L.A. And she, she started in commercials. She was in music videos. And I was like, oh, my God, I know somebody famous, you know. <laughs> and I remember telling her one day, like, I would love to do what you're doing. And yeah. she's like, if you ever move out here, I'll help you get started and I'll help show you the ropes. And so now this far-fetched fantasy was becoming an actual attainable dream mm -hmm. that I could go for if I had the audacity to do it, if I was bold enough to do it.
So who do I think I am is also a story of chasing your dreams. Who do I think I am to say I want to be an actress when I don't know anything about acting, when I live in San Jose? Who do I think I am to move to L.A. and go up on stage and try to do stand-up comedy and make people laugh? Like, who do I think I am? So it's like stories of chasing your dreams when you really have no business on the outside looking at it. You have no business going for that. I remember telling my dad, I want to I want to be an actress. I'm going to move to L.A. and I'm going to be an actress. And he was like, why are you going to do that? You don't know anything. Who's going to hire you? You know, like when it looks like you have no business doing that, the audacity you would have to go chase your dreams. Man. So that's what the book is about. Self-identity, chasing your dreams and all my crazy life stories. Man, talk to me about your your parents telling you like, no. Don't do that. Listen, now I can look back and say my dad was trying to protect me. You know, I can say um, my dad is speaking from a guy who probably had dreams himself that he didn't go for. That maybe he because he had kids young or because he just had to provide for his family or maybe because he didn't think he was worthy of whatever his dreams were. Mm -hmm. I don't know what my dad's feelings are but i can say that i think my dad was trying to protect me in that in saying like you don't know anything nobody's gonna hire you yeah like it's hurtful in the moment when i was 20 years old hearing that it was hurtful but now after lots of therapy (laughs) (laughs) i can look back and say hey he was trying to protect me thank you dad thank you and my mom too i remember telling my mom and her response was, I'll believe it when I see it, yeah. you know, which was hurtful in the moment. But now looking back, I can say my mom was saying that out of one fear, mm-hmm. fear of me leaving her house. I'm 20 years old. I've never lived anywhere but my mom's house. And now I'm going to move to a whole different city. Yeah. And Hollywood, you know what I mean? Like, I can say that my mom was probably speaking out of fear, you know, but I'm sure she's probably speaking out of too, like, I've just been living in her house and like, that seems like such a big thing. Okay. Let's see if you actually do it. And then I did it, you know, but now they're both very supportive. Amazing. Um, my dad's the first one to ask for free tickets to my show. (laughs) Cause he wants to take all his buddies. Oh my God. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, your cousin, uh, so-and-so. I never heard of this cousin ever in my life. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I, when I started, my parents weren't very supportive either. And again, it's, it's not that, that they, they, they didn't believe. Um, I, I think it's they didn't understand. Yeah. And it's difficult to understand someone else's dreams and aspirations. Yep. Right? And like you said, I think they wanted the the safe route. You know, my yep. dad would say, you know, go, man, go work at a bank. You know, like go, mm-hmm. go work. Go. I, I initially through grade school, I was going to this um, uh, medical program to become a doctor. So could, yeah, wow. I'm sure you can imagine that, like. Being them, being super proud. Mi hijo va a ser doctor. My son's going to be this, you know, big doctor, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, um, I'm going to do radio. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do TV. And they're like, what? No, like, don't, don't do that. And yeah. um, it took them a while. It took them, I, I'll share my story with you. But how long 
did it take for your parents to understand that you were doing, you were up to something big here? As soon as I, okay, well, here's the thing. So when taking it back to the story where I, I called my friend on the phone, I was like, Hey, I want to do what you're doing. And she says, if you move to LA, I will help you get started. Um, right around that same time, I ran into another friend of mine who I hadn't seen in years. And she was like, Hey, guess what? I'm a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. And I was like, no way. And she was like, yeah, you should come try out. And I was like, no way. <laughs> no <laughs> like, that's, way. That's not my jam. And like, I grew up cheerleading my whole life, but that was like competitive, like stunts, tumbling, like athletic cheerleading. Yeah. Raiders was more like glamorous, shake your pom poms, look pretty. And I'm tomboy. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I, I was in this place where I'm like praying about it. Yeah. And I have my friend in LA who's like, I'll help you get started. I have my friend here who's like, come be a Raiderette. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try out for the Oakland Raiders. And if I make the squad, the Oakland Raiderettes, then I'm going to do it for one year. And then I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to pursue my dreams. But if I don't make the squad, then I'm going to take the entertainment industry off my list. It is no longer an option. This was not meant for me. Like this was going to be my sign from God. So I drove to Oakland by myself. Uh, There's about 700 girls yeah. at this audition. And I made it to the next round. And then I end up making the squad. I remember in the moment when they called my number that I had made the squad. I was now going to be an Oakland Raiderette. My first thought was not like, oh, my God, I'm going to be a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. My first thought was I'm going to be an actress. This wow. was my sign. Yeah. This is yeah. all I needed. This was my sign. So I cheered for the, the Raiders that year. It was 2002, 2003, the year we went to the Super Bowl and we got spanked by Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was an experience. Um, but I came home from the Super Bowl. I packed up my room the very next weekend after the Super Bowl. And I drove to LA and I started from the ground up as an extra. And my friend Sandra kept her word. She helped me get started. And that was, was the beginning of it for me. So I remember it was like the Raiderettes was my parents' first time seeing me like do something mm -hmm. that was like kind of famous, kind of like people were asking to take a picture with me. I was signing my autograph on calendars. I was in a calendar, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So m my parents were very proud and they were very excited. Like, even if that's where I just stayed, like, yeah. oh my gosh, my daughter is a Raiderette, you know? And then when I moved to LA and my very first gig being an extra, I remember my family being so excited. I was so excited about it, but I remember them being so excited. And that was just like my first gig. So I think once I actually just started and I was just an extra and then I would call them and be like, Hey, I'm on this week's episode. Look in the coffee shop. I think they already started to feel it. They already yeah. started to be like, Oh, like I used to do a joke about it. Like in my first hour special, I did a joke about it. How they're like, wow, you're famous and all of that. But, um, yeah, I think that it started from just even being an extra because I was excited that my friend was like, in a Ross commercial, just dancing right there in the background. I'm like, oh my God, my friend's famous. Yeah. So I'm sure my parents felt the same way. Like, oh my God, there's my daughter walking. That's it. <laughs> just walking. Yeah. It went from don't, I don't know, you probably shouldn't do it to like, 
almost them not just being proud but showing you off i'm sure yeah oh yeah and that's another thing too like i don't know how your parents are but <laughs> my dad is not real great at feelings and um sharing emotions or words of affirmation um, oh so you know my dad yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so i am not used to hearing my dad say things like i'm proud of you yeah you know um even when my my book just came out i think like a week and a half went by i hadn't heard from my dad and i sent him a text and i was like actually he sent me a text of a bowl of chili verde <laughs> just wanted me to know what he was eating <laughs> And he was at some family's house in Arizona and he sent me like, hey, I'm with Marvin Trish. Look, we're eating chili verde. And I was like, oh, it looks good. <laughs> and then I was like, did you see my book came out? And he was like, yeah, it's all the rage. <laughs> That's it. That was that was my congratulations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, that was it. So growing up and even in my adult years, I am not used to hearing my dad's affirmation. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of you, you know, things like that. Um, but I would hear from other people, from his friends or yep. my aunts and uncles. Oh, your dad's so proud of you. He talks about you all the time. Oh, he says he's so proud. He says this and that. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. He's never said that to me. Yes. I've never heard him say that to me. But he'll tell everybody else, you know. It's like, do you think that's till this day yet? Oh yes, yeah. I mean. That's interesting, right? So I had I had an epiphany. Okay. One year, and it was after a very hurtful situation. I had just started doing stand up. Like this is fresh out of the class, you know, and it was at the church. They were doing like a um a variety show, and so there was like dancers, actors, singers, whatever. And I got to do my stand-up comedy. So my dad drove down from San Jose with one of his buddies to come and see my, my show. And so I remember he was there. He was in the audience. saw the show. Afterwards, everybody's coming up to me and being like, oh my God, that was so funny. That was so good. Da -da -da -da. And then I see my dad. He says nothing. Not like, hey, good job. Yeah. Even if he didn't think it was funny. He didn't say anything like, oh, you tried. He didn't say anything, just nothing. And yeah. was just like hugs, like, oh, cool. Okay. All right. Whatever. And then I remember we're talking to one of the pastors yeah. there and I'm introducing him to my dad. And he says to my dad, oh, you must be so proud. Now, listen, my dad's a jokester. That's where I get my personality from is my dad. I learned how to be a comedian from watching my dad get the laugh in every conversation growing up. Yeah. That's where I learned. We grew up funny because we watched dad be funny. So we're funny. Like mm -hmm. you say something, I'm gonna tag it because that's what my dad did, you know? Yeah. So my dad's a jokester. So anyways, the pastor says, you must be so proud. And my dad goes, ah, yeah, when she's hosting the Oscars, then I'll be proud. Like it was his little joke. And then the pastor goes, well, you got to start somewhere, you know? And that was it. Like that was the conversation. So... I remember like going home back to the apartment and, you know, my, my dad was there and his friend and everything. And I remember thinking like, you know what? I think my dad, this is, I'm in my early twenties. I'm like 24, 25 at the time. I'm like, I think my dad just doesn't know how 
to say nice words, maybe. Maybe he just doesn't know how to say good job. Maybe he just doesn't know how to say nice things. I'll just leave it at that, right? Then uh, my, my roommate gets home. My roommate was also in the variety show as a dancer. So she was dancing with the, the dance team, right? My roommate gets home and she walks in and my dad goes, hey, you were amazing up there. Oh man, I can't believe how great you were. That was fantastic. I was crushed. Wow, I bet. I went into the bathroom and I called my mom on the phone and I was like, why? He, why can he not say these things to me? Yeah. And I remember my mom was like, stop expecting him to. You're setting yourself up to get hurt. Stop expecting him to do those things, to say those things, because you're just going to get hurt. And it was in that and in therapy and talking to my therapist about all these things. I'm a, I'm a big advocate of therapy for anybody who's watching. Like therapy is so helpful. And through that, I have come to realize my dad was um, very handsome. He still is. He was very handsome growing up. He was a ladies' man. He was very athletic. He was a soccer player, softball player. He was the star of everything he did. He was uh, the life of the party, the one who would get the laugh, the one who was charming, the one that all the ladies loved and all the guys wanted to be him. Like, my dad was that guy, right? My dad is very competitive in, like, we grew up, uh, he would always teach us to race. Like, all right, first one to the tree wins, and he would race. He would never let us win. He would always beat us, right? right? Like, that was, like, his thing. He was always fast. He was competitive. I started thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? If my dad tells me, good job, congratulations, you did it, it's almost like I win and he doesn't mm-hmm. because he didn't chase his dream he didn't do whatever so him telling me good job is almost like he's letting me win like as if we're competing but him telling his friends look what my daughter's doing he wins yeah wow that is so deep that's deep because i i thank you for sharing that by the way uh Ange. um my my father is is very similar to to that um it took me five years into like being in radio and television for my dad to like show me a sense of him being proud right um he you know i remember i got my first sponsorship it was a it was with um with a, a car dealer and um a brand and and they gifted me a car and i drive up to my to my dad's my parents house and, and i'm like dad i got a new car they gave me a new car who gets a car for free right. you know and my mom comes out she's like oh bien bonito i love it my dad doesn't i said come on dad come and see the car he's like why? Why? It's it's just a car. Yeah. Like, but it's a new car. Yeah, it's just it's just all the new cars are, are nice. And he 
didn't even look outside, right? And and that was my journey for years. And it was, you know, me trying to like, you know, if a car isn't going to wow him, um, if me being, you know, on the nation's biggest hip-hop station wasn't going to wow him, what was, you know? And um, same thing with like, you know, being being emotional and, and showing emotion. And I remember he said, I love you once. I said, Dad, I always say I love you. Mom, love you. Sister, love you. Um, I got my family into the habit of saying it back. Mm-hmm. My dad, never. Wow. But one day, and now he, now he says it, but one, at one time that he said, love you, I was like, you love me? <laughs> <laughs> like what? It, it's 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 crazy. And again, like you know, I'm I'm a I'm a therapy advocate myself. And we, you know, we talk about we talk about it here on almost every show, um, if not on every show that that we do. Um, but yeah, you know, through through learning about myself, I mean, still like. The, the way I work and everything is it's because I felt like I had to um, prove myself mm-hmm. and and nothing was ever good enough. So then through therapy, I realized that nothing was ever good, good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously I've, I've done the work. I've been doing the work. Um, things have, you know, improved yeah. with my with my parents. And it went from the same thing. You know, it went from him not telling me good job or anything but every time i went back home my uncles their friends hey you estás en la radio oh we listen to you all the time you know we 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 saw your show the other day on tv and this and that and, and i'm like who's telling them all this it's my dad but it's it's one of those things you're right like i've never even thought about how he 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 I don't know what it is that, that yeah. I, I also think they weren't. He wasn't raised with um, you know positive reinforcements and those type absolutely. of things. Absolutely, um, absolutely. But you know, that uh, when he talks about it, he's the one that looks good. And I never thought about that. Yeah, my That's dad, deep. same way. Childhood, he he raised us doing the best he could with what he knew. Yeah. With how he was raised. Survival mode too. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, again, now that I've done the work and I've evolved, I can look at my dad and say things like, my dad did his best with what he knew how. I, I can say things like, um, my dad is just a little boy who grew up with his own trauma. Mm-hmm. And now he's in this grown adult body and he has kids of his own. But who knows if he's spiritually, mentally, emotionally ever matured to a place to actually handle these types of things. He could still be emotionally that little boy who got beat by his own dad. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. like, I, I definitely can look at my dad now and just be like, hey, you're just a little boy who grew up and did the best you could. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, my my dad didn't show how proud he was until I took him to 
uh, Vicente Fernandez concert. Front row, and then he, my both my parents got to meet Vicente, which no was their way. idol, backstage, and that's when he was like, "Okay, mijo, keep going." That was a, the stamp of approval right there. Was was to to meet Chente. Right, right. Yeah. Did yeah. he cry? I feel like that'd probably be the only time he showed emotion. <laughs> yeah, right. Like. Did you just tell Chente that you love him before you're right, right. telling me right. that you love me? <laughs> no, that wasn't the case. But um, yeah, no, it's it's crazy um, how that how that works. Um, you know, I, I wanna because <laughs> I'm gonna ask you this because I've had it. I, I've had this at the top of my mind for a couple minutes now. Talk about being Raiderette. Do you still have? that uniform i wish i had to turn it in <laughs> their rules were if you cheer for one year you have to give your uniform back if you cheer for more than a year you get to keep it mm. so i had to turn it back in and i remember this is the funny part <laughs> i moved right away i came to la and i had my uniform with me so my contract was i think like from june to june i don't know i'm making that part up but i i remember that was my contract so season was done in February, you know, but I was technically still a Raiderette. So I took my uniform with me to L.A. and I would go to all the Raider image stores and I would sell my calendars because I could still make money because technically I was still a Raiderette. And I was living with my cousin, Joe Grande at the time, yeah, who was on Big Boy's Neighborhood on Power 106 at the time. Yeah. And anytime he would have an event he was doing. He was like, oh yeah, come see me at, you know, such and such big old tires from, you know, four to 7 p.m. I'm gonna be out there, DJ so-and-so, we're giving away free stuff. And then he'd be like, we also have an Oakland Raiderette that's gonna be there. And I would come with my calendars and I would sign my calendars and I would just show up at all of his events with calendars wow. and I would just sign my calendar. And I, that's how I was making money. Yeah. Because I could still make money off of it. Then my contract is up, right? It's, I don't know, maybe a month later, I get a phone call from the director of the Raiderettes. And everybody knew that I was a good Christian girl. Uh, I wasn't causing no problems. Like, I wasn't the girl on the squad that was out trying to, like, hook up with all the players. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, they didn't have to ever worry about me, right? Anyways, I get a message on my answering machine uh, from the director of the Raiderettes. And she is like, now I know you know that you have to turn in your uniform. So being the good Christian girl you are, wow. we expect to receive it sometime soon. Like she full on put the guilt on me like don't you dare Man. try to keep this uniform because you're a good christian girl wow just, so you just, better believe i packed it up and i shipped it out i was like oh you're right you're right <laughs> the lord is watching <laughs> with a rosary in there like right. All right. oh man snuck that in there like that right because if she did it, I probably would have kept it. I'd be like, oh, I never got your message. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right? But your conscience yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't allow you to do that. No. When you were doing the, the, the power shows, like, I remember we were talking, how many years do you think in you were? 
Well, I started in You're like two? 2007, so whatever year that was, it was probably 2008 or 2009. Yeah, yeah. So like we, two years we, in? I remember, and by that time, you you were on Matt TV? Yeah. Yeah, because we were, we were um, blowing you up. Like, we were like, Angela Johnson, Angela Johnson, perform live, Angela Johnson. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely lived up to the hype. Thank you. Every time you, you stepped you. on that stage. Thank you. Uh, what do you remember of... of about those shows aside from like the huge venue um being nervous adrenaline um i remember the sound it's different when you're in a, an enclosed space in a comedy club um you just say your jokes and then they laugh and you feel it you hear it like right then and there in that type of a room mm -hmm. you say your joke and then the sound goes all the way to the back and then the laugh comes all the way back. So I remember in like timing wise, I'd be ready to go on to the next joke and then the laugh would come. And oh. so it was like messing with my rhythm because it wasn't like punchline, laugh. It was punchline, laugh. Ah, and I'd yeah. be like, oh, okay, let me adjust. <laughs> so I remember those shows being difficult for me because I was like, oh, this feels weird. I'm not at the Buzz Cafe. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of cafe, when you were doing the the Friends shoots, were you on set with, with the actors oh, that yeah. were on the show? Yeah. Oh, it was magical. It was incredible. Uh, and I talk about all this in my book, too. It was like I, I would be at the craft service table, you know, just grabbing a snack. And then here comes Lisa Kudrow grabbing a snack. And I'd be like, standing by Lisa and then I remember one time she grabbed like a little tea cake and she took a bite of it and she goes to me mm, these are good right and I was like oh my god she's talking to me <laughs> like that's all she said was mm, these are good right and here I am almost 20 years later still remembering that still talking about it right, right? and so I think about like the impact that little thing had on me and I'll get messages from people That'll be like, hey, I was at your show last night. I was the one that yelled out, blah, blah, blah. Or um, I've had people be like, um, when you said this, you totally looked at me and you made eye contact with me. Do you remember? And I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were sitting in the, in the seats. Yeah. yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I, I know the impact something like that has like oh my god she made eye contact with me because here i am saying oh my god lisa kudrow just said are these tea cakes good and i was like yeah <laughs> that's it wow do you do you ever think about that when when you're like one-on-one -on -one with with your fans now oh yeah. yeah i anytime i do a meet and greet i am aware one that people are nervous coming yeah. in yeah. I'm aware that they have probably rehearsed in their head what they want to say to me. I'm aware that when they say it, it's probably going to come out wrong. Right. So I try to be very present with them in the moment. Eye contact. Um, my love language is touch. So I'm, I'm holding on to their arm while they're talking to me. I'm, I'm letting them know, like, this is our moment. Say what you need to say. I receive it. Everything you're saying to me, I receive it. I'm right here. I'm listening. Wow. You know what I mean? I'm receiving your words. Even this past weekend, we did a show and um, in a meet and greet. 
this woman, she's very emotional and she's sharing with me um, how grateful she is for me, right? How my comedy has uh, impacted her and her children and how they love me and da da da. And, and she's crying, she's emotional, and she's sharing this with me. And I'm right there with her. And she meant to say, <laughs> we, We've loved you since Mad TV. But what she said was, We've loved you since In Living Color. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, I was eight years old when that was on, but that's fine. It's totally fine. Totally fine. I know what you meant. Um, but so like in that moment, I'm just listening and I'm like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Maybe her friends will tell her later, girl, you said in living color. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that becomes a thing for them right, now. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Holy screwed that up in front of Angela. <laughs> right. But I was just right there with her. Like, yeah, thank you. I get what you're saying. I know what you mean. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I know, I know what this moment means to you. Yeah. What does it mean to you when you go back on on tour and, you know, you, you said it's been a while. Mm -hmm. um, you start hearing the laughs again. You, you know, you're back on stage. It's uh, incredible. What it's, is that like? It's beautiful. Uh, the energy is. There's nothing to compare it to, you know, um, feeling the energy of laughter. So, like, there's one thing, like, if you've been to a comedy show and you're in the audience and you feel everybody laughing and you're a part of it, you're a part of the audience, like, that's a feeling for you as a participant mm -hmm. in this. It's a different feeling when you're the one standing there and the laughter is coming at you, you know? And um, it's almost like it's, it's gratitude. It's, I said a joke. This is something that I thought, that I wrote, that I created, and I said it. And then they laugh and that's like their thank you back to me. And so I, to thank them, I will tell you another joke. And then mm. we just send gratitude back and forth to each other. Yeah. And gratitude elevates your vibration. Gratitude elevates the room. So it's like there's laughter in the room. There's gratitude in the room. And it's just a, an energy that's hard to describe. Yeah. So being the one that's up there like receiving a thousand people saying thank you. Man. It's 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 a feeling that you can't really compare. Have you ever done an encore performance? Um I I have done like the nail salon as an encore. Um I've done in certain like situations where it's like a taping or whatever, uh where I I do my new hour. And then I go off stage and then I'll come back out and be like, okay, I know you guys want to hear this joke. So I'm going to do it for you. I can't record it because I already recorded it before. Mm -hmm. So like that kind of thing. But usually I'll just, I'll stay out there for as long as I can. And then just say whatever jokes come to mind. Sometimes I've asked like, what do you guys want to hear? What? And somebody will be like, oh, the Raiders. And I'll do my joke about being a Raiderette. A lot of people will request a joke about um, my Tia Mary um, or my Filipino joke where my friend's grandma hit a dog and her response was, Oi, sorry, dog. <laughs> <laughs> that joke, so many people love that joke, especially Filipinos. Like <sighs> in my show, they'll be like, Oi, sorry, dog, do that one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's incredible. You know, when, when, uh, when I watched your, your latest, uh, stand-up show, um, on, on Netflix, um, you know, you 
you have this um sort of just very organic very natural you know um and and, and I, I think i mean there's a lot of things that makes you great and you know i Thank think you. you're very personable um you know it, you you have like this this super chill like girl next door you know neighbor vibe like yo like Angie's is, is super chill and cool do you feel like that organic way of 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 doing you know your your craft comes natural is it mostly a gift you think or is it things that you taught yourself um mostly a gift and all of the above like um like i said if i would have gone up and bombed i would have never done it again like if i wasn't as good and i'm not saying i'm the best comedian ever but if i wasn't as good as i am i probably wouldn't be doing it as much you know but i feel like all i can do is be me like i tell people anytime somebody has been like oh what advice do you have for someone trying to do what you do what advice do you have i always say do you and do you well mm. because there's only one you there's only you you're unique you're special and you can hear that and be like oh yeah sure but uh, i'll paint the picture like this i will get an audition to play detective rodriguez on a show i'm going to show up to this audition there's going to be 15 other girls that look exactly like me bunch of latinas brown hair we're probably all wearing um a jacket jeans and boots mm -hmm. we're all wearing the same thing we all look the same we're all going into the audition room saying the same exact words so i can look at at this situation and be like oh wow i'm a dime a dozen what they're probably going to pick her because she's been on way more tv shows than i have i, I recognize her oh they'll probably pick her because she's she's way prettier than i am they'll probably pick her because she just looks tough she looks like she would be a, a detective i can start doubting myself mm -hmm. But when you remember that you are unique, they are not going in there doing you. I'm going in there with my childhood, with my trauma, with my time I fell off my bike uh, and hurt myself. I'm going in there with the time that um, my dad didn't say I'm proud of you, but he told my, sis my friend that. I'm going in there with uh, the time that I booked the Raiderettes and what that meant to me. I'm going in there with the time that um, I got in that car accident. I'm going in there with all of the things that make me me, that change my point of view and my perspective. And I go into that room and sure, I'm saying the same words and I'm dressed exactly like they are, but I'm saying them with me behind it. Mm -hmm. And I am unique. No one has me. So whatever room you walk into, whether it's an audition room, whether it's a corporate meeting room, whether it's a meeting to see if you get that promotion, whether it's, you know, I want to go get a loan to go start my own business. You walk in there knowing that you are unique and you are special. So do you don't try to be the person who walked in before you don't try to be somebody you're not just do you and do you well show up for yourself to the best of your ability. Don't self sabotage. Don't get in your head be on time even though i'm always late but be on time <laughs> do you and do you well leave it all on the table leave it all in the room to the best of your ability and that's all you can do yeah yeah that's very well said a lot of people when they enter the entertainment industry 
they look at what other people are doing sure. and and try to mimic that mm-hmm. right like oh I'm, or, or or i hear people say i want to be the next blank and it's like no you gotta you gotta be you you got to be you. I mean, everything that 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 I've done in, in in my in my career to Ange has been, you know, what what makes me stand out is that I I live in in my truth. I live mm-hmm. in in my soul. I live in, in in my spirit. I live in you know things that um, there are many things that um, have been offered or um, jobs that wanted me to be or. or a certain way or say you know say talk about oh mondo talk about how like you know you're a ladies man or how like you know how all men are the same or ball and i'm like yo like that's not me mm-hmm. you know and um if if something doesn't align with you you got to walk the other way mm-hmm. you know if, if something does you know go towards it and like you said i mean there's there's no other you and mm-hmm. and that's what what makes me that's why we have mondo in front right you know and uh, and that's why, you know, you, you keep doing all these amazing things. Ange. And people are reading your book. Yeah. Um, the idea of, of creating a book, of making a book, right. of writing a book. When did that come about? So I, um, I'm a storyteller in my stand-up. And there were some stories that I would tell that would not work on stage. Because... In stand-up, we are taught to cut the fat, which means take details out. You mm-hmm. want to get to your punchline as quick as possible. Set up, take out all the details, punchline, as quick as you can. Yep. Well, there's some stories that I have that all the details are important. All the details help paint the picture of what was happening at the time. So I was like, you know what? This story doesn't work for stand-up, but I'm going to save it for a book. I'm going to write it in a book one day. So I had this document on my computer for like 10 years where I would just say, I'm going to put that in a book one day. If I ever had a chapter, it would be like this. And it was just this document that if I ever had a book one day, these are the stories I'm going to put in it. And then came 2020. And my agent was like, hey, I think it's time for you to write a book. And it was like, I felt my spirit within me like bubbling. And I was like, I think you're right. I think now's the time. And he didn't know I had that document on my computer, but he was like, all right, just like, Think about like what kind of stories you want to tell, what your chapters would be. And I was like, done, sent, what else? (laughs) So it was like already in the works for the past 10 years, but it wasn't until 2020 when my agent was like, I think it's time. And I was like, yep, you're right. It's time. And you did the, uh, the audio book too, right? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That was fun. It's like, if you have ever been a fan of my stand-up, then you'll probably be a fan of the audiobook because it's me telling my stories, which is what I do in stand-up. So um, that, that in itself was way more exhausting than I thought it was going to be because it's not like you just sit there and read each page and go to the next. You, like, you have to worry about like your, your mouth noises, mm-hmm. like taking a breath at the right point because when you're just reading to yourself, like you don't care what it sounds like. Enunciation. You know, you're, you're all in, the things. In, inflictions in the word. and Yeah. Oh, it was exhausting. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was very cool. It was cool to yeah. do that and I would be thinking about like the people listening. Yeah. And so I would say a story and I'd be like, you know what, let me do that again yep. because I know I can deliver this more a little like a performance, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was cool. What's what's next for you, Ange? My tour. I just kicked off my tour 
uh, at the Will Turn here in LA, and it's the first of 65 plus cities that we're doing, and it goes all the way until November. So I'll be touring for this whole year and um, promoting my book, getting my book out there, and who knows? Who knows what happens after that? After, um, not after, during these these tours, are you tour? Is, is it like a comedy slash book tour as well? So my show is just my stand up show, but in some of the cities, I will be doing book signings and Amazing. I will be showing up at you know either a, a local just mom and pop bookshop or a Barnes and Noble, like whoever will have me, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'll be doing some book signings and also. It's the Who Do I Think I Am tour. So I'll be having my book at the show. And a lot of things that I talk about in my show are topics from my book. And the book will go into more details. And, you know, like I'll mention little things here and there in my set. And then if you read the book, you'd be like, oh, this is what she was talking about. Mm. You know, that's lovely. That's that's amazing. And I know you were dancing recently, too. Yes. Wait, yeah. Like, tell me a little bit about that before we, we go here. So um, I was on Fox's The Real Dirty Dancing, which was their reality celebrity competition show. And they flew eight of us out to where they filmed the actual movie Dirty Dancing. And they had us reenact scenes from the movie, dances from the movie, um, doing different choreography with like famous songs from the movie. And it was celebrity partnered with celebrity. So it's not like we were partnered with a professional dancer. It was like, you know, the, my first partner was Howie Durow from the Backstreet Boys. And then I ended up being partnered with Tyler Cameron from The Bachelorette. And um, it was an incredible experience. It was grueling. It was hard work. You know, we're learning a dance and then 24 hours later performing it in front of cameras, in front of everybody, you know. Um, so it was a lot of hard work. But it was an incredible experience that I am so grateful for. And um, I mean, I love the movie Dirty Dancing. And to be able to do something that like honors that movie and is, is you know, I get to reenact scenes from the movie. I get to pretend to be baby yeah. in the movie. Like, <laughs> incredible. It was, it was a lot of fun. Was, was dancing, I mean, I know you, were, you did cheer for a while. Mm-hmm. Dan- does that come natural to you? Um, I'm not a trained dancer, like technical, uh, trained, but I'm, I'm a cheerleader and I have rhythm. I know yeah. how to pick up choreography, but this was definitely different. It's like, it's one thing being a cheerleader, being like five, six, seven, eight, like that's totally <laughs> different than like, toe touches. Like yeah. <laughs> then partner dancing, you yeah. know, where it's, you work with your partner as one. It's very intimate. It's very sexy. Yeah. Like that was a whole new world for me. Yeah. Well, you killed that. Thank you. Killed you. That. And then you're killing everything that you're doing. And Thank you. I'm so happy um, again, you know, to, to see you continue to, to shine. And I know there's, there's a lot more that, that is going to come your way. You. Before I let you go today, I have rapid fire. Okay. With Angela Johnson. Let's go. A million dollars or a million followers? Oh, wow. Interesting. Like a million more than I already right, have. Right, of course. Shoot, that's a, a good question. A little stunt right there, you know? That's a good question <laughs> because I could invest a lot with that million dollars 
And then I know that a million followers means more to brands that will also give you endorsement deals. But I would say I'm going to take the million and I'm going to go have my husband invested in real estate. Nice. Nice. I, uh, I asked the guys this the other day. Uh, they took, you guys took the, the money, right? I was like, yeah, I was like, I gotta do, I gotta do the followers because then I'll make more. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's like it's, a long-term investment. Right. Right. It, it's like, you won't, you won't see the return right away, <laughs> right, but right. you know, start growing and like, you know, I could like, Oh, my ticket sales will go up a million more people that'll see my clip and go, Oh, I'm going to come see her when she comes to McAllen, Texas. You know what there I mean? It is. So it could work that way too, but I'm still going to take the cash. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm not mad at that. Favorite Spanish word. Mira. Mira. It's one of the only ones I know. And um, I say it all the time. Mira, look at you all fancy now. <laughs> Mira, she's all cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it also invokes um, uh, important, like if so, something of importance, like Mira. Yeah. Right? yeah, 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 totally. Special word. <laughs> yeah. Salsa or merengue? Salsa. Favorite piece of tech that you use? Like technology? Tech? Um, I mean, my phone, I guess. Yeah. My phone. Yeah. Are you? Is your carrier Verizon? It is not. Okay, so <laughs> Verizon, come on. Put the camera on me, Fred. Verizon, let's make this happen, okay? <laughs> Favorite Latino food dish? Oh, chili verde, which is why my dad sent me a picture of it. Nice. <laughs> and crunchy tacos. You like the crunchy tacos. Oh, my God. Crunchy tacos, taquitos, um, but chili verde, chips and salsa, that's my last meal for sure. Chile verde, what's in it? Pork, like pork chunks and green sauce. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. okay I know exactly what you're talking about now. I like stews. I like stewy stuff. If you like stews, try, um... Oh, I made one the other day, banging. I'm not even a good cook, but I don't know. It was like the Lord would like speaking through my hands that day. And I was like, oh my God, this is so good. It's like ratatouille, but like through, yeah. through God's <laughs> exactly. uh, energy. What would you cook? Was it chile verde? That you it was a, like a guisada. Like it was beef and this red sauce and it was banging. Amazing. Over some rice? Come on. I cooked a, um, uh, it's called carne en su jugo. What is that? So that is some fire that's like one of my favorite mexican dishes my family's mexican um i, I kind of copied my mom's uh recipe it's it's like skirt steak right mm -hmm. and and you cut it up you chop it up really mm -hmm. small and then uh it has uh it's like a stew right it's like mm -hmm. salo. Love. um you put some tomatillos mm -hmm. in there like the little green tomatoes mm -hmm. uh bacon interesting bacon. was bacon not makes, expecting that continue bacon makes everything amazing um, and then you top it off with a little bit of cilantro and, and some, um, some pinto beans. Interesting. Never oh. heard of this in my life. Did your mom make it up or is it like a real thing? No, I, I think it's, it's like a regional thing. Oh, okay. Um, it's called, yeah. Regional cabinet. to your house? To, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they only make it in Southgate, California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right about the, in that area. Um, have you had carne su jugo? Have you heard of it? Okay. That's what I'm saying. You mom made this up, bro. I will send you. <laughs> I, will, I will send you the recipe. Okay. Oh man, fire, fire! All right, best song to play at a party. Best song to play at a party. At a party. Um. Hmm. I feel like the 
the jam that will like last forever is Despacito. Mm. Like, I feel like as soon as that comes on, whether you're at a wedding or wherever, you're going to move. You're going to be like, oh, yeah. Even like 20 years from now, I think people will be like, oh, yeah. You know <laughs> or, what I mean? Now, are you playing the, the Justin Bieber song or just the, the Luis Fonsi Daddy Yankee one? I'm going to need Justin Bieber to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> at my party, I'm going to need Justin Bieber involved. But honestly, I mean, then as you t play anything 90s, like give me a good like 90s R&B hip hop type thing. It will always be a classic like smash. So I don't know. But maybe that's just because my age. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Greatest rapper of all time. Wow. I mean. I know you like to get hyphy. Right. I mean, I could stick to the Bay Area and just be like, I got to stay true to E-40 and too Ooh. short, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, today, obviously, Drake is doing things that no one else has in his career, like um, I don't know, man. What rapper are you are you playing the most? Like you personally, you're driving, when you're you're flying, who's in your ear? Um probably Drake. Probably again, going back to like nineties, going back to like the halftime show this year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dre, Snoop. Snoop, Dre, fifty cent, like yep. I still live there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I still live in the era of being able to understand the words that are being said. Right. You know what I mean? Like, hear them clearly and go, oh, I know what he just said. I don't have to Google that one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out to Eminem, too. That Come was, on. That was, that was a great, great halftime show. Oh, my show. God. When he first, when he just started, it was just like the, the Gooseys. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like, as soon as his music started, it's... It, I don't know. I, and again, I guess that's because my age, it's nostalgic. So it's one thing like when you hear a good song that you get like, ah, um, like Kendrick, like you hear and you're like, ah, whatever. Yeah. But it's a different vibe when you heard Eminem's song. That was like a, ah, deals. Yeah, 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 you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's coming from a deeper you know? space. It's different. It's yeah. different. Best singer of all time. Best singer. Wowzers. Whitney Houston? Whitney Houston. Yeah. We you know, do, my husband and I just watched The Bodyguard again the other day. <laughs> When's the last time you've seen The Bodyguard? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> I I, uh, I got to say, I think Whitney is is the number one number one answer. If this was um, Family Feud, that would be like number one. For sure. Whitney is what we get in, the, in like the past. We're about to end season two. Um, Who's been the rapper that everybody said? Is there a front runner or has it been across the board? It's been across. I've heard Tupac a lot. I heard Tupac a lot. Um, I think Tupac and Whitney. Interesting. Take, take, take those. Lastly, what's a nickname of yours that no one really knows about? Um. So... Growing up, my mom used to call me Eeyore because I would always feel sorry for myself. <laughs> I love Eeyore. <laughs> because, 
Growing up, my sister was three years older than me, and then my cousin were like her age and older, so they didn't want to play with me like at a certain age, mm-hmm. you know? So I'd always be like, nobody wants to play with me. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom would call me Eeyore. Oh. <laughs> I gotta try it too. Yo, <laughs> and out of every everything that you said, you 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 got me crying. You got me uh, uh, tears down my eyes because of that Eeyore um, nickname. So, Eeyore, thank you so much <laughs> for coming down to Mondo and Friends. Angela Johnson, thank you again. We love you. This Thank is your you. home. Thank you. You know, next time you're in town, we'd love to, to have you back. Thank you. Uh, I'm so happy to, again, you know, see you continuously, like, kill it out here and to see, you know, your, your star um, just shining brighter and higher every time that, that, that I, I see you. So, Thanks, congrats. Thanks, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And for, for whatever it's worth, I'm proud of you. I appreciate that. It's worth a lot. Thank you. <laughs> no, I am. I am. And, and you know what? I, I just briefly going back to when we first met, you, you've always been, you've always been so good. I, I, I wouldn't have believed that. I mean, you, you know, you were obviously like, you know, you're still young, but you were young then younger. Um, and, and just knowing now that you had just kind of started your career, I would have never known because you were that good from, from the get. Thank you. Thanks dad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I watched him get the laugh. And so it was just in me. It's just, it's one of the things that's in my blood. And that's what I, I say is I am who I am because of you, dad. Thank you so much. I'm successful because of you. And I'm also in therapy because of you. (laughs) (laughs) Angela Johnson, thank you. And thank you so much for watching Mondo and Friends presented by Verizon.